That was beautiful. Many thanks to Michael and the choir for that anthem. Uh, Well, as Derek alluded to a few minutes ago in the children's sermon, we are indeed uh, talking about gathering around the table this Lent. And our sermon series is called Meeting Jesus at the Table. Uh, We're going through some of the scripture passages that that show Jesus eating with folks, and we are learning from uh, the abundance that he is trying to teach them at these meals. Uh, If you remember a couple of weeks ago, Mike started us out with the loaves and the fishes, right, and how Jesus multiplied those. Uh, Then Derek talked to us about Matthew and how Jesus liked to eat with tax collectors and sinners. And then last week, we focused on the woman who who busted her way into that meal, uh, the woman with the bad reputation who put the oil on Jesus' feet, and we all learned a lesson about forgiveness. Uh, So today, we're going to have another meal with Jesus, Uh, and this meal is at the home of a very important Pharisee, and we're going to see how he eats dinner with a lot of, of VIPs, a lot of very important people. Uh, But before I read that chapter uh, from the Gospel of Luke this morning, I invite you all to bow your head in prayer with me. Let's pray. Uh, Gracious God, uh, we come to you this morning as your people, uh, hungry for the teaching that you offer to us. Help us to open up our minds and our hearts now and hear your word to us for today. Uh, Help us to take it into our lives uh, so that we can be better followers of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our chapter and verse today is Luke chapter 14. I'm going to be reading verse 1. It just sets the stage just a little bit for what is happening. And then I'll jump down to verse 7 and read through verse 14. So let's listen now for the word of the Lord. On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, They were watching him closely. And verse 7. When Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come to you and say, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus also said to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Why don't you pray with me once again? 
Uh, Gracious God, we have now uh, heard your word to us for today. So help us now to spend a, a, a moment of our day with you, concentrating on your word to us. Help us to learn from this time at the table, Lord, and help us to to take it in once again, to take it into our very hearts and our very lives, all so that we can leave here uh, and be more in your image as you wish us to be. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last Sunday I left worship here and, you know, did a few errands and things like that around the house. And then last Sunday night... Uh, I sat down to watch the Oscars, as I'm sure many of you did as well. Of course, that's when they give the awards to the best movies of the year. It was interesting to see uh, all of the, the top Hollywood elite, right, the rich and famous, come down that carpet. I don't think it was red this year. It was a different color. But come down the carpet in their uh, sparkly gowns and tuxedos and enter the theater and take their places right at the front of the stage. Uh, All of the nominees were there right up front. Uh, The first few rows were taken up by folks like Steven Spielberg and Angela Bassett and Michelle Yeoh. All of the nominees were there right up in the front. Uh, The biggest winner of the night was a movie called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Now, this movie took all the big ones, right? Best Picture, Best Director, three of the top acting roles as well. Now, if any of you have seen this movie, uh, please meet me. I'll probably be over here at the door uh, after church today and explain what it means to me. Because Ed and I, we sat through the whole thing start to finish, and I have no idea, literally no idea, what that movie means. But one of my favorite moments of the Oscars this year was when Jamie Lee Curtis uh, stood up to accept her Oscar for that movie uh, for a Best Supporting Actress. So they opened up the envelope and called her name, and of course she was shocked and surprised. And she was also humble. She was humble. She stood up on the stage at the microphone, and she said something uh, really, really amazing, I think. She said, I know it looks like I'm standing up here by myself, but I'm not. She said, I am hundreds of people who worked on this movie. And then she held the Oscar up in the air and she said, we, we just won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. It was incredibly powerful to see one of these Hollywood stars giving credit to all of those people whose names are not household words, Uh, to all those people who don't make tens of millions of dollars on these pictures, to all the people who were not actually standing there with her. It was, well, dare I say, humble. Now, here's my suggestion, okay? Next year at the Oscars, how about we do it this way? Next year at the Oscars, how about we give those front row seats to some of those people who worked on the Best Picture nominees? You know, some of the people like, well, how about the janitor who came in and cleaned up after everybody had gone home at night, swept the floors, dumped the garbage, set everything out, just 
just so, so that when they returned the next morning, it was all there for them. How about he gets a front row seat? Or how about the assistant to the assistant's assistant, who had to run around and get everybody their coffees all day long? Or how about that makeup artist who had to stand for three hours every morning and put those 14 coats of foundation on George Clooney so that he would look 10 years younger, right? How about those folks, right? How about we change the seating arrangement next year so that the everyday people who worked on these movies could actually have the front row seats and maybe even come up and say, we want an Oscar, right? And I mean, where would Steven Spielberg be? Well, he would be up up in the back, up in peanut heaven. I think it sounds pretty good. (laughs) Well, to be honest with you, I didn't think up this idea by myself. I really did not. No, this idea comes directly from our scripture passage for today, from Luke chapter 14, among other places in our Bibles. In this passage, Jesus is invited to the home of a VIP. This is a top Pharisee in the land. And as we enter the scene, uh, all of the male guests would be reclining on sofas around the room, with the, the most honored male guest sitting on a sofa right there next to the host, right, in the most prestigious spot there would be. That guest would be the one with the most wealth, the most power, or the most office. But then if, if a more prestigious man came in the door, well, everybody would be forced to kind of scooch around the table and give him the top place of honor while everybody else kind of slid on down the row, you know? And into this setting, into this very specific social order comes Jesus. And thankful for us, he's got a parable to share. So Jesus says to this crowd, he says, you know, when you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then Jesus kind of, you know, gives that little zinger that he often does. And he says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Right? We're familiar with this type of saying from Jesus, it's the same as the last shall be first and the first shall be last, spoken of many other places in our scriptures. So this meal when you invite Jesus, this meal becomes a lesson in humility, okay, a lesson in humility. And what is striking about Jesus in this scene is that he doesn't bust through the door and start criticizing the system itself. He simply assumes it. He assumes this social order that's going on, and he gives them some advice on how to navigate this sort of tricky social setting. Until, that is, we move to verses 12 through 14, again, to hear the sort of countercultural part of his message. For there, Jesus moves beyond the parable and he speaks very bluntly to the host. 
He says, when you give a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, and you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous." So this gets to the heart of how this dinner party was put together in the first place. The host would have invited these important people who he knew could do something for him in return. Maybe even he expected something of Jesus in return as well. It would be quid pro quo, as they say, or I scratch your back if you scratch mine. But once again, Jesus urges humility through his words. He says, invite those who could not pay you back. For a quid pro quo kind of lifestyle, well, that just really doesn't cut it in the kingdom of God. Undergirding both the initial parable and these direct words to the host is this theme of humility, a theme that, of course, runs throughout Jesus' ministry. As one who hugs lepers, washes the feet of his disciples, and relies on the hospitality of strangers, Jesus personifies humility. And it is to this humble life of service that Jesus calls us at this table. But you know, being humble is not newsworthy, right? Being humble is not really a quality to which most of us aspire. Being humble is not going to get us the big raise at the end of the year or the spot on the sports team or the free college tuition. We like people who are smart and funny and powerful and energetic and well-educated and, well, you know, being good-looking doesn't hurt either. No one is lining up in life to be humble. And I think we need to ask ourselves, why, why is that? Right? Why is that? Let's think just a moment about what being humble is. I mean, being humble entails not pushing for our own way, right? Not uh, uh, getting what we want, but asking others in the room what they want, what they think, what their needs and preferences are. But hey, you know, that's not what we usually do, is it? I mean, we like getting our own way, don't we? I do, right? Because you know what? I'm usually right, so I should be getting my own way, right? That's the way we like to be most of the time, isn't it? And being humble means we step out of the way and we allow others to take the glory and the glamour and the limelight and the Oscar statue. But hey, you know, we, we work hard in our lives and, and we want to stand up for ourselves and we want credit where credit is due, don't we? And being humble means we make room for everybody, even if that means giving up our front row seat to somebody who, who doesn't even have a ticket, scooching down out of the way to make room for everybody at the table, right? But we don't like that because we like it, you know, it's first come, first serve around here, right? I paid for that seat, so I should get it. But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. We, 
don't write this story, right, that we call the Bible. We don't write it. And our hero is not the one who rides in on the white horse and accepts the Oscar and holds it up in the air. No, our hero is the guy on the cross. And he is ushering in a kingdom that we call the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. So what do we do, right? There's this rub, there's this tension, right? We want to be like Jesus, but it's not something that we typically value each and every day. How do we find out how to be a humble servant? Well, I've been looking around lately, right, with this sermon in mind, and and looking for people who I think exemplify this type of humble servitude, people who make room for others at the table. Those of us who have been coming to soup suppers uh, can anticipate where I'm going to go with my first one here tonight. At the soup suppers, we've been talking about Mr. Rogers, right, Fred Rogers, for many weeks now. Uh, because he is without a doubt a fabulous example uh, of humble servitude. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Hedda Sherapin was here and she shared that, that video of Mr. Rogers talking with, with the handicapped young boy in the wheelchair. And last week, Derek showed us a still of it, and I think, yeah, Stephanie has a picture of it. She has it right there. I'm talking about this, this episode of Mr. Rogers, right, which brings tears to your eyes. This still picture right here. So how does this show us how to be humble? Well, you can see here that Mr. Rogers has actually come out of his house. I know it's a fake house for TV, I know that. But he has actually come out of his house and he greets Jeff outside so that Jeff can get into the the scene easily, right, in his wheelchair. And Mr. Rogers actually crouches down to be on the eye-to-eye level with Jeff. And what is the conversation about here? Well, the conversation isn't about, hi, I'm Mr. Rogers, and this is what I did today. No, the conversation is about Jeff. And it's about his struggles and his triumphs and what brought him to this moment today. Right? The whole thing is about not Mr. Rogers, but about Jeff. Right? This is a fabulous, fabulous example of humble servitude. Jesus says, when you throw a dinner party, invite the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Mr. Rogers clearly, he cleared out a seat for Jeff at the table that day. And then I came across another one uh, these last few weeks, uh, a picture of, Stephanie, you want to show them the second one, a picture of these folks. We know these people, right? They're Jimmy and Rosalind Carter. And in this picture, they're pushing up a real heavy uh, wall there with the two-by-fours. They're building a house for Habitat for Humanity. Now, this has been in the news a lot lately, right? Because Jimmy Carter is nearing the end of his life. And, of course, we know uh, that he was president from 1977 to 1981. But Jimmy Carter will never be remembered for that, right? He will be remembered for this, for his humble life of servitude, his legacy uh, for, for doing good all over the world. There's a man named uh, George Hippel who took this picture, 
who was Jimmy Carter's photographer for 13 years, and he followed the Carters around while they built these houses. The Carters are, they're probably in their 80s there, right? They continued to build them into their 80s and 90s. And Hipple said there was nothing that would tick Jimmy Carter off more than to see somebody not working at one of these sites. Carter would say, get back to work, he would yell at people, get back to work, that's what we're here for, right? And there was a lady named Adelaide Davis who knew Jimmy Carter very well for building these houses. She was with him every time he built a house in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And she reminisced that one summer when the temperatures in North Carolina were well into the 90s, the Carters showed up at a home build. And at this build, all of the volunteers were staying in unair-conditioned dorm rooms at Queens College. But because they were who they were, right, the Carters, Adelaide went over and said, you know what, folks, I can have somebody install air conditioning in your dorm room for you. You know, we'd really like to, to do this for you, right? But Jimmy Carter said, no, I'm not taking air conditioning if the rest of the volunteers don't have air conditioning, right? So they just worked and sweated <laughs> along with everybody else. And through it all, he has lived in that same little ranch house and Plains, Georgia, gone to that same little church, taught his same little Sunday school class, and made humble service a hallmark of his life. Jesus says, when you give a banquet, invite the poor and you will be blessed. The Carters made room at the table for so many people they had never met. They would never know people who could never, ever, ever repay them. Friends, Jesus' whole life is a lesson in humility, not just this one episode from Luke 14. His whole life is a lesson in humility. And if we truly desire to be Christ-like, to be his disciples, humility should be a hallmark of our lives as well. Now, you may not know a boy in a wheelchair to be friend, or you may not be able to build a home for somebody else, but we can all find ways to put others first and to make room at the table for the everyday people whom we come across. May this be so, my friends, as we all work together to bring about this inbreaking of the kingdom of God in our midst. Praise be to God. Amen.